You're listening to Because We're Dangerous, a Dark Matter podcast. I'm your host, Annie. And I'm Chris. We're talking about episode six of Dark Matter. And while we will talk about anything and everything from episode six, there won't be any spoilers for future episodes. First, we'll give our quick reviews. Then we'll talk about notable elements and stuff that made us happy. And we'll conclude by discussing the questions we have after watching this episode. Now let's get started with our quick reviews. I like this episode a lot more than last week's. I, As you may have heard, I did not care for last week's episode, but this one I thought was a big improvement. And I'm really glad the focus was on 4 and 5 and 6, because it seems like we've been getting a lot of 1 and 3 especially the past couple episodes. But uh, I also appreciated that we finally got a look at some actual memories. Yeah, I I agree. I love this episode. It was great to finally get some backstory on other characters like four and six and five, and and to see all these disparate pieces of previous episodes finally start to gel together. And uh, in particular, I thought Jodell Furland had a fantastic, fantastic performance. Her acting was just top notch, and um, all the moments between five and six and their scenes just hit me right in the feels. So that was that was good. That was like their their big scene at the end of the episode was mm-hmm. that was a really good scene. Yeah. So we got a continuation of the one, two, and three love triangle, quote unquote <laughs> love triangle. Notice my enthusiasm. <laughs> it's it's not definitely not my favorite part of the show, and that whole awkward conversation where one is saying to two, well, you and three, I mean, any conversation that starts out with, you know, it's it's none of my business, but, and I'm like, one, <laughs> come on, get over yourself, let it go, let it go, it happened, and, you know, you're consenting adults or whatever, and I'm just like, one, come on, and two, thankfully, says, well, I don't have to explain myself to you, and then she does anyway a little bit, but, you know, it was just awkward and i could have done without that part of the episode it was it was not flying for me yeah that there's another thing we we got confirmation that two and three did actually sleep together yeah. i guessed at the beginning of last episode but i don't know personally this love triangle thing is not working for me mm-hmm. and you know i can understand two's reasons i was lonely and he was there and i'm like yeah you know everybody's got needs but i just I don't like how she potentially gave one. She says, well, with three, it's not complicated. And then one's like, well, uh, could it be complicated with other people? And I'm just like, one, drop it. Oh, but they've been giving each other looks all season. I know, but it's just the chemistry or whatever is not there. It's just not working for me. I'm just kind of like, you two, you can do better. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just stay out of it, too. Stay out of everybody's bedrooms and... Or everybody stay out of your bedroom, and that, that'll that be cool. On, onward and upward. So. Yes. So, upward in terms of numbers, because we finally got backstory for four, five, and six. And I maybe, know. probably one? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the whole point of the uh, this week's story, when Tive was willing to, she just came up with an idea and said, look, I'm, I'm willing to basically put her life on the line to get answers for the crew. And that whole conversation she has with two, I thought was really great, where... You know, she said, you want to go forward, but, you know, you don't have your answers yet and you need to know what kind of person you are first. Or, you know, her being really brave, I thought. And I love it when two and six are all protective. Me too. So what did you think of, I guess, starting with four's backstory? I don't know. Okay, because here's the thing. For some reason, I kind of assumed that's more or less what happened. (laughs) 
Yeah, I did a little bit, and I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, by the time it really got into the story, I'm like, they wouldn't be showing this all of all of these memories if, you know, there wasn't a twist in what we'd heard so far in the plot that Four murdered his father. If it was just straightforward, I don't think there'd be a purpose to us showing all of that. But I thought I thought it was cool to see, like, the detail of the costumes and the sets, which I thought were beautiful. To see the physical world that Four grew up in. Sure, yeah. And, and that he had a brother and evil stepmom and that kind of thing. He he grew up in a Disney movie. Yeah, but I guess most Disney movies don't end with patricide. I liked how they opened with that scene, with Four killing all the guards and getting away. And I particularly like that shot where the blood's dripping off the sword, that close-up. And I had um, tweeted Joe Malazzi about it, and he said, because it reminded me of anime, and he listed the specific anime that they were looking at when they looked mm-hmm. at Four's story. That actually is sort of reminiscent also of, if if anybody's a Firefly fan, the movie Serenity, there's a shot where there's like the blood dripping off of River's ah. axe. I, I, for a minute, I thought, or maybe it's just me, for a minute, I thought you said River's ass. I'm all, what? <laughs> A-X-E. <laughs> yeah, well, it had the A sound, you know, just- And then I'm mind. like, wait, was that an axe or was it a machete? <laughs> River's bladed weapon, how machete about that? next time, I'll be less confused. <laughs> I thought that was a good sequence to open with because you think it's four, given the costuming and everything, but then the hood comes off and it reveals that it's five, and then you see, you know, five on the table and something's wrong, obviously. So I like that the episode flashes back to 24 hours later and, or earlier, mm-hmm. excuse me. Um, but I like that it starts in the middle of the action instead of just the slow build up. To me, what I really liked about the sequence with Four, especially the latter sequence, when you see Four walking around, cursing the guards, and then going and getting drunk and going in to confront his father, was that Jodell Furlan's acting as Four, I thought, was really impressive, because she has to change her whole body language, and just, it's not the Five that we know. You know, it's got Five's face and body, but mm-hmm. it's it's Four. And I thought that really came across well. Yeah, there's the the moment when they do the the big reveal, which I kind of saw coming anyway. But the, the pullback of the hood, and then it's like, oh, it's the world's most adorable murderer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even with the blood on her face, it just looks wow. It's the cutest, shortest murderer. <laughs> I thought that was really impressive, and that apparently it's not just like, oh, it's all stunties or whatever, because um. Joseph Malazzi said that Jodell, she stayed and, um, like, changed her family plans to stay on set and to get training with, like, the sword and the knife and everything so that she did train for those sequences. Mm. So I thought Mm -hmm. that was really cool. Yeah, it shows. I I did like those sequences between when Five is pulled out of her memories and then she goes and talks to Four about both of them. Because we haven't seen scenes alone with just Four and Five yet, and I I really like that. The writing was doing that and putting different characters together in scenes. Yeah, I'm I'm glad they're doing that too. This is something we've talked about before, the mixing up of characters. And it is kind of interesting to ski how various characters sort of adjust their their manner, I guess, based on who they're talking to, which is something I think we see here with four, because four was nicer to five. I wouldn't say he was nice. <laughs> I would say he was mm-hmm. nicer to five than he's been with most of the other characters. I don't know. He talked more and gave more prudent advice. I mean, at first I thought in that first scene with four, where he's talking about controlling her emotions, 
And at first I thought, oh, he's just being kind of a kind of a jerk and just saying, well, this is how I deal with the world. So this is how you have to deal with the world. But then Five comes back and says, you know, when she says, I really want to try the uh, whole procedure again, that she says she can control it now. And I think that was partially based on what Four said to her. So looking at the scene again, I had a lot more, I don't know if it was like sympathy for Four, but I had a lot more understanding for what Four was trying to convey, even if it's in this very quiet, macho, you know, <laughs> kind of way. It's just his way, you know? Somewhat gruff. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second scene where she tells him the truth about what happened with his father, and then Five is just like, well, you know, it's okay now, right? And then Four walks off, and I'm like, oh, it's so not okay. He- he's not the type of guy to just forgive and forget like Five would be willing to be. Yeah, from what we've seen of the crew here, I, I don't think many of them, if any of them, would be the forgive and forget type. But speaking of that, we got a similar story with Six, because they showed what his deal was, sort of, because they had the whole thing, oh, he was part of this, what did they call it? Was it the... I I can't remember the name of the specific insurrection, but it seems to be getting more into... Insurrection. Yeah, it was more into the politics of the whole world, which I thought was great. It hasn't talked too much about the corporations yet, besides in the first and second episodes. Right. And it brought it back that people are rebelling against these corporations, that there's an organized insurrection, which I think is really cool and makes sense, maybe given what we saw with the disparity between the miners and the corporation in the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that there's now this armed militia against them, and that they have a name, and, and that they were really taking action against it. Do you watch Continuum at all? No. Okay. There's a similar thing going on in Continuum, where there's essentially the corporations run everything, run the country. And so there's the somewhat radical protest group. Okay. Anyways, inter- so back to Six, it was interesting to see. I-, I was kind of glad and kind of anticipating him seeing that he is a mercenary, but he still has a really fascinating moral core, it seems. Like, he'll rebel against the norm and against what he considers the evils of the company, but he's not willing to kill innocent civilians to do it. Right. You know, he has a line. He has a line that won't be crossed. I thought that scene was really fascinating, because upon finding out that that's what had happened, he then gets sick. Like, he literally gets sick. Mm -hmm. And then he turns around and kills everybody in the room with him. Yeah. And I'm like, these two things don't necessarily match. (laughs) Well, yeah, but but it could have been like... I don't know. It's like a lesser of two evils. I mean, it could have been partially a gut reaction, but he's not afraid to take lives, but maybe he's doing it in some sort of way for a greater good so that these people don't go out and kill another 10,000 people. I, I do get it that this is, you know, like these people crossed the line and had to pay for it, I think is essentially what's going on here. But it, it was kind of interesting, though, because I missed it the first time I was watching because I was live tweeting from the podcast account, he had the gun to his own head after killing everybody else. And, you know, I'm really sorry I missed it the first time because that sort of completely changed my view on the whole, Mm -hmm. that whole scene. Yeah, that he was willing to take his own life because of what he did or what he was implicated in. I think what what we're supposed to get from that is that he's seeing himself as part of this problem. Because even though he didn't know, he was still essentially guilty. He's still accused of it, yeah. But I feel bad for him that... I I tend to feel more sympathy towards him because 
it's like he didn't know, and yet his cohorts put him in that position anyway because he did the job without the knowledge. Oh, totally. But then I, I wonder what makes what happens after that scene. What makes Six want to go on and not want to shoot himself again between the time he, you know, that scene ends and when he gets on the Raza. Right, because, I mean, the Raza crew's not good people from everything we've heard. Like, what they're yeah. there for is not noble deeds, so I don't... Mm-hmm. I'm interested in where they're going with that, but... Yeah, mid- kind of bridging the gap. And then later he's talking with one, and seems I guess they seem pretty comfortable with each other, so... I don't know. Seems okay, but it's really interesting to see where Six's thought process would go after that scene. But maybe he just has to get out of Dodge, and he figures that's the best way to do it, to stay under the radars, to keep going with mercenaries. Could be. And then one last notable thing to mention, which is not really notable at all in in the sense that this is not news, but Three is just a jerk. Just a massive jerk. Just a massive, massive a-hole. Because we see him in the flashbacks when he catches Five on the Raza stowed away. He's got a spacer right away, and he's like, I'm like, what? You are such a frickin'... Uh, but but yeah. clearly that's not what happened, so I'm curious how they're going yeah, to resolve yeah, again, that. Yeah, I'm missing scenes. I, I'm picturing, like, two or six coming up and going, what are you doing? And convincing him to get five out of there. I don't know, something happens. I do wonder if it's going to be six, since we've seen such an immediate bond between five yeah. and six. But then, how do they end up going, well, you're just gonna go into the, you know, to the pods with one of us. Okay, now that you're here, you're part of our crew, so we're going somewhere far away, so let's all get in the pods, and then somebody wipes their memories. And then we still have no explanation as to how everybody's memories got downloaded into Five, because that seems to be some technological, weird kind of something we haven't seen yet. Like, how is that possible? But that brings up another important thing. We finally found out that Five does actually have a name. Das. <laughs> yes. It took me a minute. For some reason, I thought when we first went into Five's memories, and then there's that shot where she looks at herself in the in the camera, or you know, sees herself reflected on the television. I almost thought that was Two's memories because remember the the shot where Two is captured on camera, mm-hmm. and when they're first shown their profiles or their warrants, and all you have is like a video feed of Four and Two. So I almost thought that was Two, and that was the moment she got captured on camera or something like that. So hmm. it was kind of my guess and my hope that it was two, but then it turned out to be five, which that story I found equally fascinating. But the camera showed, the monitor showed five, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, remember in the, first, in the first segment, four or five as four looks in the mirror and sees four. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Never mind. It just reminded me of that sequence. So five story I was really kind of sad about because she's like a kid on the streets and has to you know, pickpocket to survive, and it's with all these other kids that are just struggling to survive, and for some reason I was reminded of Newt in Aliens, you know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. this kid who's just living in a trash heap, surviving. I mean, fortunately, there are no aliens after them that we know of, but just someone who's just living in a in a trash heap to survive. So your brain went Newt from Aliens instead of, like, Oliver Twist? Yeah, I suppose. Or Kenzie from Lost Girl? Yeah, that's true. But... Now we finally know what's the deal, a little bit more about this data card. Right, and we know that it's something so important to somebody that they killed all of Five's friends, which is not good. And that her friend TJ got shot, and that was the boy that was found in the cargo hold because they both stowed away on the Raza. TJ, who people were wondering, and Joseph Malazzi 
was that named after T.J. Scott, the director? And I'm like, that was my thought exactly. Was he? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. Maybe. But I don't know many T.J.'s, so that was where my mind went when I heard that boy's name. But <laughs> T.J. comes up and he's like, I've been shot. He's like, it's okay. It hasn't hit. I don't think it hit anything vital. And I'm like, it really looks like it did. So they stow away on the ship and Five's trying to get medical supplies and almost gets spaced. And now we have this missing scene where... Five somehow ends up in the pods, and poor TJ just bleeds out and dies. But you notice that um, the, the gun was found by TJ's body. Where did that come from? Because yeah, that wasn't that didn't come out on the ship with them, as far as we know. But the data card's still there. So, and what did the android said the data card had to do with like space time, something, something, some other technological thing that Zoe Palmer spouted that we don't know what it means. Accessing pockets of interdimensional space? Something like that? Okay. I want to say? It sounds like something really important that even more important than FTL. I don't know. I keep thinking of, of time travel or something. I don't know. Hmm. That's, that's what my mind goes to. But yeah, I'm sure more will be revealed about that later. Yeah, I like Five's backstory and getting a name for her. It's interesting how... I don't know if this is happening for you as an audience member, but... We na- now that we know all the characters' real names, I'm still personally referring to them as one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked Two's comment earlier in the series where she's just talking about how she's not accepting the name Portia. Like that's just she she doesn't identify with that at all anymore. So yeah, I don't know. I feel weird to call Five Dos right now. Mm-hmm. But speaking of different names, we have maybe a glimpse into One's memories. Where, what did they call him? Titch, I think. Titch, which to me sounds like a swear word or something. But is it a nickname or is... I would assume so. But here's here's my question. Do we think it was actually one? Well, she says, what does Five say? When she looks in the mirror, she sees someone who kind of looks like one? Or? She says she sees a, a young boy and she says, based on the fact that it's so sort of idyllic, she doesn't think it could be three. It's probably one. Which makes me think that it probably is three, right? I don't know. I think it's one because because we have that moment in, um, you know, where one is facing his clone or vice versa. And he says, well, you're either a clone or you're surgically altered. So maybe it's one as a young boy. And then now that he's an adult, he's been surgically altered to look like clone. But you know what I mean? Could be. I, I just, I feel like there's some sort of reveal that's going to happen. Yeah. That whole scene in the barn was really, really, um, really great and touching, uh, between five and six, where five was saying, I've seen my own life. No thanks. I'm, I've been staying here because it's so much better than the real world and how, uh, six convinces her to come back. Oh, that scene was great. Roger Cross and Joe Dalferland in that scene were just both, they were really, really good in that scene. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I know. Uh, yeah, I love those kind of like more familial relationships that the crew is building mm-hmm. between like two and five and, you know, five and six. And so things like that where it's not so adversarial, like one and three. Right. Uh, I like what five said. He goes, well, maybe in the real world, things are pretty hard, but you know, they could not, tur- they could turn out good. Okay, too. Right. That whole, these are memories. There's nothing we can do about this, but we can do something about the real world. Yeah. And he, and he made a good point saying that something bad is going to happen. There's there's a reason why everybody is on that ship and mm-hmm. it's going to come up in the memory sooner or later. 
But, but yeah, it was very much like a father figure kind of thing that was nice to see. Yeah, I also love that moment when Two is squeezing Five's hand before she goes under the second time. So, yeah. And that they did a close-up of it. Yep. When they said, who's going to go in after her? Two and one were both like, I'll, you know, simultaneously I'll go. And then Six says, no, I'll go. That's, and I'm not arguing. It was interesting that one volunteered. I was like, oh, okay. I'm not surprised that one volunteered. He's like compulsively noble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he may be compulsively clueless, but he's also compulsively noble. I'll give him that. There was a wide shot, though, when everybody's looking at, you know, five on the table, and they don't know if they can get her out. And three was in the shot, and he actually looked a little concerned. Aww. But maybe maybe that was just me. I was like, oh, Anthony Lemke, you're a good guy. I like you. I like Anthony Lemke. I just wish three would be a little less of a a-hole. Same. Oh, but I, of course, poor Android had not much to do again this episode, but I liked her when she's explaining to Six how the whole thing's going to work, and she's like, of course, it's just a theory, and he's like, thanks. <laughs> you know, with that little adorable little head tilt she does. Well, yeah, Android, you're just not reassuring sometimes, but you're still cute. Oh, dear. I guess one last thing that, that made me happy since we just sort of segued straight into stuff that made us happy. I, I am really glad, I, I said this before, but I am really glad that we got an episode that really focused on five. Yes. With a side of four and six. I just now hope we get two's memories, and I think Joseph Malazzi implied that we will. Oh, I'm sure they will be going into that later. Because they kind of have to, because that's sort of the setup of the show. <laughs> yeah. And that's, like, one of the only people left. So shall we talk about questions we have still after this episode? Yeah, we've brought up a few, like, how do five get out of the airlock? But um, six and one are walking along or when five stows away on the ship, and one's like, who's this Mrs. Maplethorpe, anyway? And six is talking about, well, you know, I, I can't forget that name. She used to hit me on the knuckles with a ruler. And I'm like, okay, random name thrown in there, I that has to be the code for the vault, correct? I don't know. I didn't actually, it, it didn't occur to me that it would be the vault. I didn't know what it was for. But I don't know why they would put such kind of a throwaway line in there, unless, I don't know, maybe it's just blah blah blah, we're just chatting. But to me it seems significant, especially when Six basically, he says, well, I'll never forget her, or something like that. But you said he was talking to one, right? Yeah. Maybe it was a code word because they knew that one was a double or had a double. And so it was some sort of confirmation that that would be him. I don't think the Raza crew knows that one has a double. But how do we know? That's true. But I. Especially if. I mean, your whole theory about maybe he's surgically altered. <laughs> wouldn't that be why he's surgically altered? <laughs> they would know. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there as a possibility. Yeah. Uh, that hadn't that hadn't occurred to me. And then we also have, now that some of the crew has new knowledge about what really happened through Five's memory transfer thingy, Four doesn't really seem encouraged by the fact that he didn't kill his father, he just found his body. But he just walks out of the room, and I'm like, oh, I think the Empress is going to get it. <laughs> hmm. I don't think he's very happy. I think somebody's seeking revenge. Similarly, we see Six looking up the info about the general, do we think mm -hmm. that he's going to go after the general? Which is really kind of a, it's kind of sad because, you know, before that five has a conversation with him, I, you know, I, I don't know who I can trust, you know, even two scares me a little, which is still a little heartbreaking. 
she says, but I can trust you. And then they say goodnight. And it's a nice little moment. And then Six turns right around and goes into researching potentially how to murder somebody who was responsible for him indirectly murdering all the civilians. Again, they're not nice people, or as Five maybe wants to believe. She hasn't seen all sides of them. Because nobody knows Six's memories except Six, correct, of what we saw. Yeah, that's all we've seen was, was Six seeing what was happening, so... And the picture of the general, we have not seen this character yet, so I'm thinking he'll show up sooner or later. Still, the the GNN network still cracks me up every time I see it. Such a play on CNN, obviously, but it just cracks me up. I'm actually pretty sure I've seen GNN used in, like, I want to say comic books or something. Oh, okay. There's, like, a national news network that goes across all of sci-fi fantasy called GNN. I'm kidding. I don't know. Could be. <laughs> that's that's the default. The default for your fantasy news. <sighs> fantasy sci-fi news. Dumb question. Was that the Raza that Six and his crew stole? Or was that just another Galactic Authority ship? I think it was not the Raza. Because I, I kind of thought it was, but then I'm like, is it? Because they didn't refer to it by a ship name or anything. Yeah, I don't think so, but I'm not totally sure. Which kind of led me to think, well, what is the Raza? Is it just an unlicensed ship, or just a regular kind of freighter? Or does it have anything to do with the official Galactic Authority's registry, or I don't know? I don't know. I don't think so, necessarily, because they're, they're mercenaries, right? That's their deal. So yeah. I think the corporation hired them for the thing for the first two episodes, yeah, but Joseph Malazzi was saying, at least with the Marauder, that because it physically looks a little different than the like the interior looks, someone asked, oh, well, the interior looks kind of different from the rest of the Raza, and he said, well, they might have stolen it or outfitted it or something like that. So who's to say, yeah, they didn't steal the Raza itself and Could redo be. it? or Yeah. And then my question was about when they were talking about the insurrection, I'm wondering if the Raza crew has been involved in this insurrection or has done... You know, even if they're mercenaries, has done jobs either for the insurrection or have they always done stuff for the company before they got their memories wiped? You know, kind of what side they're on. They're on whoever's side is paying. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. My ass. We wanted to let you know that a Facebook group has recently been created for Dark Matter fans to tease out their theories about the series. Search for Dark Matter Theories on Facebook to find that group. And if you have sent us feedback via email previously and you haven't heard it on the podcast yet, we want to apologize. We recently realized that we hadn't been receiving all of our emails. We are planning to do an episode soon to catch up on that listener feedback. So we'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Send us your feedback to darkmatter at askgenretv.com. It's working now, I promise. Leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223, or you can record a voice memo with your smartphone and email it to us. We live tweet on Fridays during both the East and West Coast airings of Dark Matter in the U.S. and Canada. So follow us on Twitter at Dark Matter Pod. To join us in that, we are also on Tumblr as Dark Matter Pod. And we have never been framed for patricide, but we did frame some family photos once because we're dangerous. Thanks for listening.